You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Do what he's put before us. Scripture says do whatever your hand finds to do and do it with all your might. For in the grave where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. John 9, 4, Jesus said, as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And so the invitation, listen, is very simple. What's God calling you to do today, tomorrow, the next day? Are we open to the Lord? Open our wallet. Open our purse. All right? If we believe that God has put us here for a reason, well, what is that reason? Maybe right now you're asking God what your purpose is. Well, Pastor Danny shares with us today that we've already got some really good guidelines for things that we can do right from Scripture. Those things aren't what save us, and they aren't religious duties, but instead our deeds display evidence for us and those around us that Jesus is doing a work in us. What's more is that we get to be a part of building the kingdom as we go. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Titus, chapter 3, with today's edition of The Living Word. how much the Bible, especially the New Testament, Old Testament as well, uh, talks about giving? You know how much Jesus talked about giving? Acts 20.35, Paul says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, which we don't have recorded in the Gospels, but he evidently said it because Paul knew about it. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, if you really believe that, then we do it because it's more blessed for me to give than to get. Jesus said that. Luke chapter 6, listen to what Jesus said here. This is, oh, this is good. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. And it's not just to get wealth. Another scripture in Corinthians says, he'll increase your seed so that you can be generous on every occasion. Running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. I love 2 Corinthians when Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, talks about the Macedonian churches. Paul um, went around in churches that he planted and churches that he ministered to. He would collect offerings from these churches for special needs offerings. That's the equivalent of what we do here in our special needs offering. It's the benevolence fund. And it was a specific offering, aside from their regular giving, to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. And he would collect offerings from the churches, and then he'd go to Jerusalem, and he'd minister through those offerings. The churches, through those offerings, would minister to the poor saints in Jerusalem. But he wasn't going to tell the Macedonian churches. He wasn't uh, going to ask them to give because of their their situation. (laughs) 
Paul talks about it, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, their extreme poverty, they're poor, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. So somebody let them know that they're being left out in the opportunity to give for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And they came to Paul and said, hey, you got to let us be a part of this. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with his will. So we urged Titus, since he'd earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Second Corinthians chapter 9, he continues, and I want you to note this, verse 12. This service that you perform, these gifts that you're giving, is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, you've proved yourselves, it's evidence of your genuineness. <laughs> Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And here's what else happens. And in their prayers for you, the recipients of your gift, their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift referring to Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, verse 28. Remember, the church at Ephesus also, pagan culture. And the gospel invades that pagan culture. They were cheats, they were liars. And then they came to know Christ. And here's what the Holy Spirit slips in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. He who has been stealing... That's what you were like before Christ. Must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his hands. Why? That he may have something to share with those in need, so he might become a giver. Luke chapter 16 is a very interesting passage. Luke chapter 16, and Jesus blast, in a bad way, the people of the light, the church. Let me read it for you. After he tells the parable of the shrewd, manager. He says this, the middle of verse 8, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind, unbelievers, than are, than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So when it's gone, the worldly wealth, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So it's not how much you have. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who'll trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Here's the bottom line. When grace is flowing through the life of a Christian... They become givers. You get that? When grace is throwing through the life of a group of believers, a church, a local assembly of believers, they're givers. I thank God for this church. I really do. You think I'm setting you up. Well, 
God is setting you up, but not me. You read about the early church. What an amazing church to be a part of. When you read in Acts chapter 2, all the believers were together, had everything in common. doesn't mean it was a commune. They still had their own homes. And you know that if you read the passage, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. They didn't all sell them on the same day. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes, praising God, enjoying the favor, the grace of all the people. You get to Acts chapter 4. All the believers, verse 32, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. But it wasn't a commune. How do I know that? There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, over time, from time to time, those who own lands or houses sold them. And the picture is, as time went on and the Holy Spirit continued to minister to individuals in the early church, a couple, an individual, would be led of the Holy Spirit to sell a piece of land. We don't really need that piece of land. Let's sell that land. That's invested in the church. And they would. It even mentions Barnabas. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, also called Barnabas, means son of encouragement. He also sold a piece of land. He brought the money. He put it at the apostles' feet. So as time was going on, the grace of God was flowing through these individuals in the early church. And because the grace of God was flowing through them, they naturally would give. Amazing church to be a part of. Paul, when he wrote the letter to the Philippian churches, the Philippian church, he closed it out in chapter 4, and he, he had just received an offering from them, all right? And it had refreshed him. He, he had been in need, and now this offering comes and refreshed him, and, and uh, he thanked them for it. And he says, when I first set out from Macedonia, you were the only church that shared with me in, in giving and receiving. In other words, they were the only church that supported his ministry. And now you've helped me time and time again. And he, and he says this in verse 17, not that I'm looking for a gift, he wasn't trying to set them up for a gift and try to, you know, I'm not looking for a gift, but I'm looking for fruit that may abound to your account. You know, that's, that, as a pastor, that's my heart for you. Really. Genuinely. Most basic, basic good deed that any of us can do is give. Now, if you think I'm setting you up, that's between you and the Lord. But the passage is clear. And this is God's word for us today, right now, this time, and how appropriate it is. We, we have so much going on, so many good things, some things I don't even know about. I mean, the, the church is so big now and so many things happening. I mean, I, I don't know about all the Good Samaritan giving going on. So we can give Good Samaritan. That's a personal thing where somebody, you know, is in your life and you just reach out and you, you help them in the name of the Lord. But there are also things we can do together, and there are things we can do together that we can't do individually. What I mean is... All the ministries that are happening here. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see they have everything they need. That's a very practical good deed, isn't it? Now, how would Titus do that? Would Titus just go to the bank and out of his personal account? He probably didn't have that kind of money to provide what they needed. No, he would obviously go to the church and say, Hey, Apollos and Zenos, they're about to head out on this missionary endeavor, and uh, they need this, and they need this, and they need a, you know, a ride if it was practical to the airport or whatever it might be. See, the most basic, here, here's the most basic good deed a Christian can do. Open your wallet, open your purse, and give to kingdom causes. That's the most basic. But then the next is actually doing something that costs me my time, costs me actually something physical where I, where I personally get involved. Jesus got personally involved with people. 
Remember he washed his disciples' feet? And he said, I'm your master, and I washed your feet. Now, if I'm your master, and I washed your feet, you, you wash one another's feet. You know the priority uh, people that God has called a church to minister to? Now, listen carefully. Uh, now, I, I'm just giving you an opportunity for us to go minister in Crawfordville, and we're ministering in Washington, D.C. to unbelievers, and we're ministering uh, all kind of places to unbelievers. But do you know the priority people that God's called the church to minister to? It doesn't mean we don't minister to the world. But let me read you Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Did you catch that? Now, why would that be? By this shall all men know if you're my disciples if you have love one for another. What if we go out and reach the world with the gospel, bring them in here, and there's no love in here? You think they want to stay here? We go tell them about the love of Jesus out in the world, and they make a commitment to Christ, and we get them to become part of the church, and they don't feel any love in the church? By this shall all men know you're my disciples. Boy, I got stories to tell you. I know a lot of things are going on that aren't, formally connected with the ministry here, but we have two ministries that are primarily, their thrust, their primary thrust is to minister to people in the church. They occasionally minister to people outside of the church. Their primary thrust, though, is to believers as a part of Calvary Chapel St. Pete. It's the Women of Heart Ministry and the Men of Arms Ministry, and if you're not involved, oh my goodness, how much more we could do if more people would get involved. Is church this size? My goodness. About a year ago, one of our church members, a guy, was working a security job at a condo complex, and he was called to uh, the condo of uh, an 89-year-old widow. And she was having trouble with her lights, and so they called the security guard, and he went. And um, he invited her to Calvary Chapel, began giving her rides here. 89-year-old widow. The women of heart got involved. They've been giving her for months now, rides to the doctor. They've been visiting with her, praying with her. Uh, they've done household chores. They've run miscellaneous errands. And let me read you what the leader of our Women of Heart Ministry, Nicole, wrote me in regard to this particular woman. Every time we speak, she shares how Calvary Chapel has impacted her through meeting her needs. She thought she was going to die alone. She has no children. All of her family and friends have passed away. She suffers from macular degeneration and uses a walker or a wheelchair to get around. She came to faith in Christ as a child, and she sings hymns and speaks scripture in every conversation. I mean every conversation, Nicole says. It was no coincidence that the man working at the guard station that night she called led her to our church. You need to know that she has impacted the lives of those who have helped her. She has an incredible ministry of prayer for those that she comes in contact with. That's 2 Corinthians that I just read. They're prayers for you as you minister to them. I'm so encouraged each time we speak, whether in person or over the phone, people may think we're helping her, but she's ministering to us as well. And every time we experience, I, I get Jesus bumps even thinking about it. When I go to minister some way, practically to somebody, I walk away more blessed than them. Doesn't seem fair sometimes that you get blessed more than you bless them. Recently got a call from my friend Lionel Cabral, who runs the Haven of Rest Mission right over here on Park Boulevard, and he thanked me profusely because our men of arms ministry just recently went on and put a roof on a 
home for a 92-year-old lady. She's not even part of her church, but she's a Christian. Not too long ago, another couple in our church was helped by the men of arms. They were moving locally, and they helped them move. And uh, because the men of arms got involved, the husband of this couple was so moved by it, he's become a regular volunteer with our men of arms ministry. They came in contact with a fellow, lives in a mobile home, in a desperate situation, just had back surgery not too long ago, doing terrible in recovery, and uh, needed a roof on his mobile home, had no means to do it, and they contacted Pastor Frank Dane and our Men of Arms Ministry, and it was approved to go out and put a roof on this guy's mobile home. I wasn't here last Wednesday night, but Pastor Frank, as he's filling me in on the details, said the fellow they helped said he was going to try to come to communion service. Last Wednesday night, he came. I wasn't here. But uh, Frank said he couldn't stop crying. He's crying in a bookstore. He's crying in the lobby. He cried through the whole service. I told the story last night. And I said, I don't know if you're here, but if you're here, I'd love to meet you. Love to say hi to you. And so after the service, after talking to a few people, I noticed a guy standing over here with his walker, and he's just crying. I knew who he was. Here's his thank you note to the church. Thank you. Each and every one who had a hand in the decision to extend your helping hand to me, a complete stranger. I think the Lord knew I wouldn't have survived the storms we just had. Even if you had decided the other way, not to help, the day Pastor Frank came, he prayed. I felt so much comfort. It saved my life. He's not kidding when it said he saved his life. Even before we gave the approval to put the roof on there, Frank had prayed with the guy. He had a lot of medication from his surgery. He was so depressed, he piled up pills in stacks, and he had a bottle of whiskey, and he was getting ready to take the pills, drink the whiskey, and lay down. He said, say goodbye to the world. Literally, that's what he said. That's what he writes here. That day was the straw that broke the camel's back. Needless to say, Frank's prayers and my calling out, praying, did not go and answer. I put the pills back where they belonged or I wouldn't be here to write this thank you note. I plan if everything goes right to come this Wednesday and he came last Wednesday night and I met him last night. Thank you all very, so very much. You really did save a life. But listen, what if we had more people involved in Men of Arms? How much more we could do? How, much, how about if we had more people and women of heart? Pinellas County Code Enforcement Officer occasionally calls our church he called us recently about a fellow in a nursing home. And the fellow in his situation, his um, yard totally in disarray, and his neighbors were complaining, and they sent the code enforcer out there. And uh, he went to his boss and said, this guy's in a nursing home. How's in the world is he going to help? No family, no, nobody really helped. Neighbors don't want to help him. And so the code enforcement officer went to his boss, and his boss said, well, you've got to do your job. You've got to find him. And so he did. Fellow didn't have any means to pay, so he went to court and he pleaded for mercy in light of his situation. The code enforcer's boss said, Well, whatever you can do to help him, help him. So they called us. Enter Men of Arms. Yesterday, or day before yesterday on Friday, team from Men of Arms went in, totally cleaned up this guy's yard, got it up to code and even beyond code. I mean, they got it, they did they do the job right. This is the email about that day, this past Friday. This morning as we were doing the yard work for the guy in the nursing home, the code inspector showed up. He started crying. 
told me a story of how three years ago he and 211 other county employees were fired because of budget cuts. He said he prayed and asked the Lord to make a way for him to get his job back, and he promised the Lord he would do everything he can to help people so that they would not be fined. Don't you get it? We have an undercover government agent working for Jesus on our behalf. And he'll call our church. He'll call our church because he knows there are people here that are not just sitting in a doggone pew or sitting in a church service and just going through some religious motion. There are people here that will actually go out and do something good in the name of Jesus. And it'll make a difference in somebody's life. It'll make a difference. Got this letter, friends of ours, Wendy and ours, for a long time long time from one of their sons we've all watched each other get married and have kids now the kids are growing up it just seems like yesterday i mean just it, life is really is a vapor you better take that to heart only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last that is the truth this is one of their children young and he writes dear reverend and mrs hodges God has recently confronted me with a question. What the heck have you done with your life? My response, quote, I dot, 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 uh, dot, 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 well, dot, dot, dot. And before I knew it, I was filling out an application to go to Columbia with Calvary Chapel. And before I know it, I will be in Cali, Columbia from July the 12th to the 19th. And you read the rest of it. You read it, and I wouldn't even have to have the name on the bottom because he's writing just like he talks. God has recently confronted me with a question. What the heck have you done with your life? That's my closing question. What are you doing? There's a third point I don't have time to get into. Ephesians 2.10 tells us as believers that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And here's the, here's the most mysterious, amazing mystery which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't it amazing we, we serve a God that no two snowflakes he creates are alike, and no two fingerprints are the same. In other words, God has something for you specifically that he doesn't have for me. Now, general good works for all of us, and yet God has something, a work for you that he doesn't have for me. How am I going to ultimately fulfill what God has created me for? Well, the very simple answer on this third point is the way I'm going to end up where God wants me is to be faithful in the small things along the way. What is it God's put before you? What is it God's put before of us? Reach out. Do what he's put before us. Scripture says do whatever your hand finds to do and do it with all your might. For in the grave where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. John 9, 4, Jesus said, as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And so the invitation, listen, is very simple. What's God calling you to do? Today, tomorrow, the next day. Are we open to the Lord? Open our wallet, open our purse, all right? One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there were seen. The footprints of my precious Lord. But mine were not along the shore. And then some strange prints appeared, and I asked the Lord, What have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they're too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, For miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk by faith, but you refused. You made me wait. 
you disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith, you would not know. So I got tired. I got fed up. And there I dropped you on your butt. Because in life, there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb. When one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. You've been listening to The Living Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship with Pastor Danny Hodges. Sometimes life circumstances hit hard and they can leave us wondering where God is. And not only that, they can leave us wondering if He's even real. But rest assured, the Lord never leaves or forsakes. And most importantly, He is the truth. Are you wrestling with your faith today? There's strength in lifting one another up in prayer, and we would be honored if we could do that for you. So send us an email at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. Would you also pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we always want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and our ideas second. His guidance is what we need. Would you pray that we'd recognize His voice always? Thanks for praying. If you don't already have a church that you call home and you live in or near St. Petersburg, we'd love to be that for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship invite you to join us for our weekend services. Check out ccfstpete.church for the latest service times or to find out how you can join us online if you're not in the area. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to join us again next time to hear another message from this study in the book of Titus right here on The Living Word.